Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brodsky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another wonderful winter week here in the great state. And Robert Craig, our Executive Director, is with us. Robert, good to have you. Good morning, everyone. Well, uh, a slightly somber Robert. No, um, we have a huge packed agenda of topics. We're going to hopefully try to move fairly swiftly through because folks it's incredibly incredibly busy time and and we won't even have time to get into the Packers sacking their defensive coordinator in the box brand new coach uh lots and lots of news Wisconsin is Robert we're like round zero again or shall I say we're battleground Wisconsin uh both in sports and politics and we will get into Biden and the Biden administration's invasion of Wisconsin uh, this week and and more to come. But Robert, before we do that, I want to just remind folks again about our huge 40th anniversary celebration that's coming up in Milwaukee on Monday, March 11th at Enlightened Brewing. We talked about this last week and the new news I want to add is we now have four satellite events uh, with our regional co-ops for this 40th anniversary event. So very excited. Robert is going to, he's going to be incredibly busy. He's going to be going around the state with essentially a lot of the same amazing historical information about citizen action and, and what it means heading into this, this just critical year, this election year. But folks, we're going to be in La Crosse Wednesday, March 13th, 530. Wausau, Thursday, March 14th at 5.30. Green Bay the following Thursday, March 21st at 5.30. And then in Eau Claire in late late April, Tuesday, April 30th, 6 p.m. Folks, we'll have a link with details, locations to where all those are. But please, if you live in those regions, now you don't necessarily, if you can't make it to Milwaukee for the big one, we're coming to you. Robert, this is exciting. It's... um. This is, uh, are you ready? I mean, this is quite, uh, you're going to have four, four, sh- four shows in, in, it looks like nine days here, and then we'll end up in Eau Claire. Uh, this is exciting. Um, anything new you want to tell us? I- I'm giving you a one minute window. Maybe we do this every week, Robert. One minute of a tidbit of something around our history that you've discovered that uh, you'll be talking about at the 40th. So, I will just say your first question was, are we ready? Well, it's like the big show, the big Broadway show is not ready until the minute before it starts. That's how these (laughs) things go. So absolutely not. But we will be ready, I will say. Um, So, I mean, there's so much you kind of, uh, you had, I hadn't thought about the answer to that question, but I will just say that I was impressed putting some things together yesterday at how robust the economic agenda of citizen action was in the 1980s and in our first decade, and that we were calling for uh, local governments to be able to prevent plant closings with the use of imminent domain, an actual bill uh, that we were calling for a guaranteed national income and fighting for that, obviously national health care reform. Uh, but there was, and we were also dealing, as we did in the Walker administration, with companies taking public money subsidies and then outsourcing. And in fact, 
there were scandals in the 80s that Citizen Action revealed where companies were using revenue bonds the state and the city of Milwaukee provided to finance moves out of state to non-union states like Tennessee. So there is an amazing continuity in what we have been working on over these 40 well, years. So everybody... That's a bit I'm going to cut him off because I don't want him to reveal too much. I want you to get out to one of these events again, Monday, March 11th. We're in Milwaukee at Enlightened Brewery. Robert is going to present all the top things he has found in this uh, research he's been doing. And I'll remind our listeners, Robert has been going through historical documents that are on file with the Wisconsin Historical Society. And we continue to um, provide them with more stuff as we go down the road. And we'll, we'll, we'll continue to do that. And this project has certainly made us more convinced of its importance, but please people get out. We are trying to raise resources on this. I will, there'll be a link for if you can donate some money, but if you ain't got any and you really just want to come and hear more and get involved and hear about how you can get involved with us going forward, we also have complimentary tickets. We'll have a link to that. Please get out, attend this amazing event. Thank you, Robert, for that little tidbit. We'll have more. I'm going to keep asking Robert to give us uh, 60 seconds of new news and information that uh, helps us understand uh, the place in history we are now. Speaking of that, Robert, we got to dive right in. After we recorded last week, they had a vote in in Congress uh, about continuing to fund the government. And we know there's been a series of or at least a couple of these votes, and there will obviously be more. Every one of the Wisconsin Republican members of Congress voted to shut down government, Robert. That is that is worth <laughs> us mentioning. Robert, your thoughts on this and in the perspective, uh, especially as we head into this historic uh, 2024 election? We not only have gerrymandered maps where a 50-50 state has a 6-2 to two Republican majority among our House of Representatives delegation, but look at the kind we get, the way maps are drawn and the way the direction of the Republican Party towards a, uh, an authoritarian party. We get folks who are willing to shut down the government, right, entirely. Uh, and uh, for, well, really, what we've learned, what we've learned about this current House majority is they don't want any solutions, even on things they claim to care about, like immigration, because they don't want President Biden to get any benefit for any solution. And so they're just trying to blow things up for their own power advantage or because they hate government, which means in this country, because we are still a democracy, it means they hate democracy, Matt, let's be clear. Well, Robert, I think, and I want to be very clear about this because President Biden is in superior today, and he's there in part because it's a critical, critical part of the country, both Wisconsin and Minnesota matter. And this is an area where it's traditionally been very solidly democratic, whether it be the Iron Range in Minnesota or, you know, Superior and in, in the uh, areas in the northwestern Wisconsin. But Trump has eaten into these areas and it's largely been around the economy and sort of populism in the sense of, you know, can this can can a, a democratic government actually help you? And so he's there in part to 
promote the Inflation Reduction Act, the infrastructure bill, and the bridge. Uh, and of course, Robert, this has brought out Republicans who voted against this, trying to take credit now for this bridge and saying what a great thing it is. There's a Republican Congress member. But Robert, this is very similar, right? That they voted to shut down government, right? Like, I mean, much less even do something like expand resources for critical things like bridges, infrastructure, green economy. Like they just voted to shut it all down. Like to me, it's a metaphor for what this is all about. And this is the MAGA Trump party, which after New Hampshire this week, it's pretty damn clear. I mean, the Republican Party is what it is right now. It is a party of Trump. And this vote to shut down the government by every Wisconsin Republican, I mean, Jesus, where's Toby Roth? Or where? I mean, those guys are gone. These moderate Peggy Rosenzweig, right? Try, Tom Petri. Tom Petri. We used to have buckets of moderate Republicans that, like, would never go for this shit. Robert? Well, this is now a party because it is a a threat to democracy that relies upon the public not knowing how government functions and who does what and who is responsible for what they actually want. Why would they lie and take credit for a bridge they voted in? Because they know the public, the people they are trying to address, want the bridge. And so they depend upon and through their own discourse and through right-wing media noise machine, uh, they miseducate the public. So it so then then pose as behind things they're not as they undermine and destroy, and so that that so the threat to democracy is more than the mechanisms of voting. It's this whole process. Now I will say the worst is you're against something and you take credit for it. I think that part of President Biden's problem is all the Democratic officials around the country and Evers is one of many who spend Biden's money announced projects without ever saying it came from a federal initiative or anything the president did. So they don't know. And that's just what the consultants tell you to do. We need to stop and make government visible and say, President Biden makes money available. I'm spending it in this way because I knew I had the discretion and I knew this would help. Right. Then you get both credit. I look, this is an area Joe Biden's team deserves a deserve some level of credit here and i'll say this sort of like their political team not only is wisconsin clearly by all these visitations vp we got cabinet members all over the state <laughs> president and superior i mean in duluth um there's been a real strong effort to try and deal with what you just said robert and they've worked very closely uh, with ally groups, but also local electeds to try and be here over the last year a lot, talking about lead pipes, a whole host of things. And a number of folks like, you know, for whatever my disagreements with a number of folks in Milwaukee, um, county exec, Crowley, right, Chevy, these folks have worked to try to draw attention to this in connections. It may not matter. It may not matter, but it is important, Robert, 
uh, that we always try to make the connect about where this money's coming from. I try to do that whenever I do our social media posts because I think it's really important for people to get that and remind them every time every Republican voted against this. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action. You know where to find us. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking about Biden being up in Superior today. Vice President Warren was in Waukesha on Monday. Talking about the right things, too. Let's just be honest. These are these are important issues that they should be talking about. Robert, I I want to connect here. Make this is important connective tissue to go from talking about what's happening with the president and Congress and funding of government to where shit gets real in your community. Last week, we had on Kate Felton to talk about how Eau Claire was dealing with accepting of refugees. Eau Claire is back in the news. Chippewa Valley is back in the news because huge news, Robert, I need to get your comments on. And that is the closure of a major hospital in the Chippewa Valley, Sacred Heart. It's massive news. We're talking about over a thousand employees. How many people get care there? It's got to be significant. And it just essentially got announced. And it's like nobody in the local community had any idea that this was coming. And so this is huge news. And by the way, this is happening in other areas, but this is this is pretty big and it's very high profile right now. So it's important for us to talk about it because Robert, there's a number of reasons behind this, but I want to get you to talk about two things. One, very simple. It's like the layup. We talk about it all the time and that's taking the federal Medicaid money and how Medicaid dollars, and then maybe even a discussion of what those rates are, uh, just talking about it, how it could help rural health care, in particular rural hospitals, and just some of the data that's out there nationally about states who've accepted it. So what's your thoughts on that? And then kudos to Governor Evers for immediately getting up there and talking about this. But then, Robert, the truth is, I need also to hear from you about the broader systemic thing that's going on here with a for-profit healthcare system that would allow this to happen that's competitive that no longer has boards and regions that even approve and talk about this this is no way to run a healthcare system robert well let me address both levels uh kudos to the governor on calling out uh the badger care expansion element in north carolina the last state to expand badger care last year, but they don't call it Badger Care there, so Medicaid. Um, they did it through a gerrymandered legislature uh, that may be as gerrymandered as Wisconsin in the same range because the hospital association flipped positions and lobbied for it, big power, because of the need of rural hospitals. So I think you call out, you need to, by levers is, you do need to call out the Republicans, but where the heck is the hospital association on this crickets, right? Or they're going to say we need to pay them more money and not do their part. So that's so that Robert, part. on that real quick, 
uh, Jesse James, state rep Jesse James, is trying to get in the media all head scratching. Oh, whoa, what do we do about this? Right. Like, here's a direct thing. Right. When we look at the gerrymandered legislature and their complete inability to move this. Robert, keep going. So people wonder how the heck can we have such expensive health care? And then huge systems are closing, right? When it's double the cost per person of any other industrial country. And the reason is we don't have an industrial policy where we manage the healthcare we actually need and set the price and set what services are actually needed. We, they talked us in, the hospital industry, the other elements of the, of the healthcare industry to letting them let the market do it and competition will work. It hasn't. I will give you that there could be a lot of discussion of that, but I want to give one example. The state of Wisconsin and other states had this too, and some still have some of this. In the 1980s, this is something Citizen Action lost on and fought to protect in the Tony Earl and Tommy Thompson eras. So this is back to the 40th anniversary, Matt. We had a hospital rate setting board that actually looked whether the rates were affordable and reasonable and based on the actual cost to deliver a service. And we had a certificate of need program which meant you couldn't build extra capacity if it was duplicative, because all that's going to do is they're going to then charge more because they're competing with each other. So an example is, and this is just one example, but it's the whole system. The two health systems, Mayo and this health system that's closing, one of them had an MRI machine and it was sufficient for need. And the other, Mayo, built another one once they were deregulated because they, of course, want to draw people to their hospital in competition. And what does that do? That harms the other hospital, but it raises the costs of both because you have double the MRI capacity you need. And so what the program was said is other hospital system, we already have enough MRI capacity, you can't build it. So we need to go back to regulating the hospital industry because all the things they said in the 80s and 90s about how great it would be was a lie, and it has generated hyperinflation to healthcare each and every year since the uh, since the 1980s. And for perspective, Robert, since you're providing a history lesson, uh, Matt's going to provide a little anecdotal history lesson. My father was a Republican. We grew up in uh, Wauwatosa, and I learned about the board you just certificate of need from him. And this would have been a conversation probably in the late nineties with him and him complaining about getting rid of certificate of need and that he, and he, he talked about how it just is completely was driving up the cost of providing healthcare, simple thing that could be done that could accomplish a lot locally, local control, very important. And it was an area where like, Republicans, conservatives like my father and liberal progressives could come in agreement, right, around cost, right? Because it doesn't matter who you are. You want to get an effective cost. Nobody wants to get gouged. So we have now reached a political point where, like, the idea that Republicans my like my father would support something like this is is not even on the table. It's just not even in the discussions because we are not even accepted the Medicaid money. Robert? Funny thing about CFMD, and this relates to the part of history of Cisnac and you and I were part of, I once actually got flown to Alaska to speak at a conference by the Palin administration, for real, 
One thing I found out in Alaska, very cool place, is they still have a civic need. You would not think of Alaska as the bastion of blue progressive government. They still have it, and we don't. Look, it's it's a the concept's beautiful. It's literally local control trying to sit down and figure out in this chaotic capitalistic for-profit system, can we at least control what's actually necessary, uh, both in terms of the equipment, which we all know, folks, every one of these hospitals, right, they build palaces now, right? That kind of crap costs us all money. And there's simple things. These boards and these certificates of need would deal with that in addition to very expensive equipment and all other kinds of things. And then Robert mentioned actually looking at what are reasonable costs. Folks, that's why you need to get involved in citizen action. Let me be clear. We not only do we work on this very practical issue that we could do, Robert talked about expanding Medicaid. We continue to fight for that. We are in the middle of a massive campaign to try to get a badger care public option, which is even further expansion, which would help the situation even more. That's why you got to join citizen action, please. Um, we'll have a link, get involved. This is how we make change. Donate, get involved. Robert, uh, want to, before we go to our next break, I want to spend just a couple minutes get your thoughts on uh, Tony Evers gave his state of the state this week. Um, he hit on a number of topics, um, but I want to just hear from you what you thought, if there were some key policy things that you thought were most important. Um, but then also, was there a broader tone or sort of thing that you may have picked up that uh, you think of interest that our listeners should uh, know about? Well, obviously, Governor Evers is a breath of fresh air compared to what Representative Voss and, and that party is offering. Uh, he did talk about some very important issues, and I would say I would call out as particularly good policies, family, paid family medical leave. That's one really bold thing that governor is supporting, and I will continue to praise him for that. But we need to get the majority that will do it, like other states. Um, the extending postpartum care much longer uh, and uh, also raising income eligibility, red states have done that, fully red states. And our, our gerrymandering legislature refuses uh, free access under care for, for over-the-counter contraception. Great. And there's a lot of new options now available. I would say in the bigger issues like child care and workforce, I just sense the governor is at least floating the idea of a third term I think he's still operating a bit in the old neoliberal mode if you state big problems and you state minor solutions and he can't pass anything now. Why not a bigger vision? Why not a childcare entitlement where everyone has a certain access to childcare? Understand it's harder, but you need to have a vision and then you get as close to it as you can once you have a legislature. And that's just the difference between the governor and his team and I. I just think this is a little more like Clinton when he had divided Congress, where he was, I'm going to solve child poverty, and here's this tax credit, right? And there's a, there's some of that in there, too. Well, look, Robert, I think the proper response is, hey, kudos on, Medi on Medicaid expansion. Kudos for connecting it to rural hospital closures. Go up there. We should demand that that happen and say, and by the way, 
What we really need to do is have a Badger Care public option, which would greatly expand the amount of folks who are covered, right, which helps providers, these hospitals, they need people to be able to pay their bills, right? And so that helps in addition to, you know, the, the Badger Care public option greatly expand the amount of access through small businesses and so many people in our communities who get healthcare through small businesses. Robert? I agree with what you said, and I'll just say I want to hold both thoughts. There are good things and advances, good things the governor did. The other thing I would just say is, look, we got a six-year deadline to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half. Where is that issue? Where is the economic opportunity? He has embraced it generally, but just doesn't come up enough in his agenda, given its importance, especially for not only just in terms of its importance, and its economic and its environmental importance, but also its importance for young voters who we're so worried about whether they'll vote in this election or not. We're, I want to talk more about this because I think this is um, important for us to have a, a change of mindset about the Wisconsin body politic and what we're living in. And it all connects to the maps. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Please join us. Get involved. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Robert, we've been talking about, right before the break, Governor Evers' state of the state. Um, and it got us into a conversation. I immediately you know, said, like, yes, but let's start talking about some of the other things like badger care public option you brought up climate right obvious it's a no-brainer and especially heading into an election right we need to be laying out visionary stuff that will inspire people to want to 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 want to vote first of all but also to vote for these for democratic legislators and we got to get out front on there and the governor plays a critical role and being able to lead and set that agenda. And so um, climate is is abs- absolutely huge. We, of course, I, I mentioned Badger Care Public Option. And by the way, these are things the governor is already supportive of, right? Badger Care Public Option, but needs to get full-throatedly out there. And we need to be punishing the Republicans around this. And, and here's the, what I want to get your thoughts on, Robert. And I think for all of us, it's super important. We're about to get new maps, Okay. Everything is changing. It's all changing in terms of the legislature. What possibly the governor's role could be to go from a goalkeeper, as he perceives himself, proudly trumpets, and to a large extent has done a great job of. But you know what? We don't create the kind of world we need with a goalkeeper. And these new maps... Folks, there's a reason the the Republicans did the crap they did in the legislature this week trying to make these. I mean, come on, trying to trying to protect some of your buddies. That's the exact opposite of fair maps. Right. And so they're worried. If you don't think that is a sign of deep weakness and just arrogance, (laughs) gerrymandered arrogance that they thought they could do this right you know, ox on anybody's house who thinks like that was a good idea. However, sh- kudos, right? Democrats stood up like, no way, right? We There's a chance we could get maps that puts the legislature in play. The Senate, 
or the house or both at a minimum, folks. There ain't going to be a, a crazy ass super majority like Voss has right now. That, if we do our work, that shit's coming to an end. And it changes the whole dynamic. A lot of issues get in play. Robert said on a number of things that were in his, oh, red states have done that. Red states have done that. You know what? That whole list, that shit passes even if we don't get back both houses. Because the Republic, it'll be a completely different dynamic for whoever the leader is in the next year. If, if, if there are 10, 15, you know, 12 different seats in the assembly. So everything's changing. And so we need gov the governor and, of course, the, uh, both the all the folks in the legislature to start thinking about that. What is the offense? What are the things that not only could are likely to come into play, Robert? Uh, you just framed it very well. Uh, and some of the, what the governor laid out does fit this, like paid family medical leave. But let's have a, an agenda for a new legislature that would pass a bold agenda. So let's let's just be more ambitious and and more inspirational. That's all. But you said you talked about uh, the fear of Robin Voss and the Republicans. Well, I it, it's being said by Nikki Haley that the crazed Trump attacks on her and refusal to debate means he's afraid. So that's that is one theory of Trump. I will say, you know, Voss is afraid when he tries to look reasonable and keeps changing his position. So he attempted, while crassly saving a couple incumbents by slightly redrawing incumbents' places, to adopt Governor Evers's maps and put him in a position where the governor would, you know, if he won this his his little his little play here, looked like he was turned out on maps. And the maps Evers uh, submitted are the least favorable to Democrats of the ones that aren't Republican or Republican front group maps, and. To his credit, because I have to admit, Matt, I was a little afraid that the governor, just his strength and weaknesses, he loves compromise, that he would like, jump at the possibility of a grand compromise. He did come out against it, so I'm sorry for having that feeling. Uh, but I will just say that either, Voss will keep trying. Obviously, Voss thinks that this is going to turn out in a way that that endangers his majority. That's why he's acting this way. He was even threatening to disrupt the governor's state of the state by calling the assembly into order and taking up the maps thing. That was the crisis uh, the late all, afternoon before the state of the state address. All you need to know about the desperation, too, we haven't even had a chance to talk about the fact that they introduced a massive tax package right like who does this <laughs> just out of nowhere these are the kind of things you usually like have hearings you build up you start to roll out because they're massive changes in the financing of government but you know just a crass quote then they package it in a tax cut to uh lower and middle class folks right folks that they know like desperately you know have done nothing for basically uh and so this is the desperation. And, and so it does call for us as Democrats and definitely as progressives, right? I, as a progressive leaders to start laying out and being very clear about what the vision could look like, what could be on the table if we get out and talk to people and win these elections. They're going to be a ton of winnable seats that we had no chance of. One other kudo 
for the governor that I forgot. Matt, you and I have been urging him for a long time to follow President Biden and actually talk about how bad it is to give all these tax cuts for the wealthy. Now, he went halfway there in this budget. He actually called the Republicans out for thinking the only solution to everything is more tax cuts for the wealthy. And of course, what they're proposing is, even though it has little pieces for middle class and low income people, it's regressive, which is a $10 word for it helps rich people much more than poor and middle income people. And so kudos to the governor of that. Next step is we need to tax those folks. And that needs to be part of Governor Evers' agenda like it is a part of President Biden. Oh, yeah. yeah with the billionaires. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that. I I don't want to, I'm not going to go ballistic anymore about the desperate need for progressive tax policy that changes the agenda and is very popular politically. But for another day and another hey, time, Matt, Robert. Oh, Matt, I was going to say, uh, it's not at the top of the Journal Sentinel when you're seeing it, but when we're recording, it will be in the news feed. They have a big story about schools are closing and having referendums all over the state. Why is it happening? Well, it <laughs> happened because the governor agreed to a compromise when we had a huge surplus that underfunded the schools. And I'd like to have seen a real school funding pro proposal in the state of the state. And hopefully there'll be one next year ahead of the head of the lady. So that oh, you're 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 pricking me, man. You're pricking me because it's we don't have time to talk about this. And it makes me angry because, you know, Milwaukee, we're we're now in the middle of a fight where a lot of people who do amazing electoral, political, civic engagement, organizing work. Going to have to spend a shitload of time trying to support a referendum to raise money so that we can give our kids what they deserve, right? Because we didn't get the funding from the state. Yet again, I got to move the... Gotta Some move. of what they deserve. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Just, I don't, it's, it's so angering, right? Like, anyways, especially as someone who just cares deeply about public education, uh, so, Robert, I do want to get your thoughts on we were just talking about the maps, right, as it relates to the state legislature. Um, we mentioned last week that there was another lawsuit filed on the congressional maps, and there's information out from a Stanford University expert who Talk that the congressional maps here in Wisconsin, we talk about the legislative maps being the worst in the country. You mentioned North Carolina might be close. Um, says Wisconsin's congressional maps actually are the, the worst in the nation. Robert? Yeah, this kind of caught me by surprise because I've been thinking all about the state maps. That's where all the drama has been. Uh, and the congressional maps are bad, but not as crazy severe as the state legislature. Uh, but what happened was they thought the opening, the people who filed this lawsuit, and this was a national Democratic law firm clo closely tied to national Democrats in the Biden administration, Mark Elias's firm. Uh, but they were waiting for the other case to proceed because that created the opening and to actually move forward. And then they and then they were ready and had this lawsuit. And it has a lot of merit based on what I have seen. And so that is fantastic. We should be, obviously, we, uh, if you were to have a four to four, remember the Republicans have a national majority now that we, which they hold in a damaging government of two seats. So if Wisconsin just 
that at its average, we'd have two more Democrats because that would be a 50-50 state. And uh, so this is very worthy and goes to this state Supreme Court. Of course, the Republicans are as afraid of this as they are of uh, even more so potentially because it affects who has a majority in Congress as they are of this of uh, having fair maps in the legislature. Both are essential to having a functioning democracy. Voters need to select their elected leaders, not the other way around. Yeah, Robert, thanks for thanks for pointing that out. I mean, the amazing thing is, and what this research really demonstrates is, the minute our Supreme Court came out with the justifications for why the, the legislative maps were illegal, it immediately, you know, these folks are like, well, that's the same for congressional. And if we have the data that actually shows they are nationally bad, does make for a strong case. We'll continue to watch this, folks. We're, we know this is important for all the reasons we just talked about. It, it, it's, it, it's, it covers every issue and what's possible on the table. And is there actual accountability and what explains every Wisconsin Republican voting against keeping, keeping the government open, right? This you're listening to the battleground, Wisconsin, where citizen action, citizen action, wise.org. Welcome back the battleground wisconsin we've been talking a lot about redistricting um and before the break we were talking something we almost never talk about the congressional maps and just how terrible they are and it helps explain folks if you want to know why brian's style is all bent up a little bit other than voting to shut down government which i'm sure he's very worried about if he gets different maps because that will not be popular in a swing district um robert there was this whole thing with politifact where they were trying to parse styles on his support for cutting medicare and and social security which is like a no-brainer if anyone thinks that he there was a bill (laughs) that would cut social security and medicare that came you know came through the house and was moving and let's say Trump was like that he wouldn't be for it. It's absurd. It's laughable. It's a, if you listen to the ad, it's, 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 it, it's like milk toast almost. Right. And yet PolitiFact folks found that somehow this ad was false because it tried to suggest that the group he was involved in that came out with all this proposal for cuts involved 80% of the Republicans in the House, which, well, who gives a shit, right? Like, yeah, thank you for telling me that the House is a completely mega-type operation. The pressure and incentives on every one of them is to support that crap. He just voted to shut the House down. He's not going to vote for a cut of Social Security? It's absurd. PolitiFact fully jumped the shark if it didn't already a decade ago. Um Robert. Yeah, I was going to say it's sad because PolitiFact has become something that finds some logic dicing way to find something that they think is objectively true, but never considers what would actually help the voter make a decision about what their congressperson or or other state rep or any official would actually do in government when they're not looking. And this doesn't serve that purpose at all, because Brian Stiles has shown himself to be very unreliable 
on the question of whether he would cut or raise eligibility rates uh, in age in, for Social Security and Medicare. Look, we've had we've had Democrats, Robert, in the past who have supported this kind of crap, tinkering around cuts and shit. So the idea that 80 percent of the House Republicans support that and somehow. PolitiFact decides, well, that doesn't mean anything then. This group doesn't mean anything. And because the staffer in Styles' office tells us he doesn't support that, that's the fact now that they're going to run with when he's like, this is political dynamite that he, that he's in a House caucus that clearly would want to do this. And by the way, to the good folks at PolitiFact, dude votes to shut down the government because they want massive cuts to government. Where the hell are those cuts coming from? How do you balance the budget that these radicals in the House want? And he just voted for this week. If you don't trim a little bit of social security, it's, it's absurd. It's been a central part of the Republican and the mega strategy. And to somehow give him a pass. It's just it's aggravating, but well, the look, lack of facts in our political system and the disinformation matters a lot. But PlayFact is currently not helping improve that with this sort of analysis. Look, and I just wanted to bring it up because, look, it's an important issue. Right. And I do believe that there is a increasingly decent chance we could have new congressional maps. And the first is one that's going to become significantly more Democratic. And Brian Stiles, style, excuse me, is a really conservative guy who is going to try and sound much more moderate over the next seven or eight months. And we need to call him out. And I thought that ad was great. And I'm glad that they keep running it. You know, who gives a shit what PolitiFact says? Those guys are blowhards. Anyways. That's I'm the done. other thing. Uh, the, the, the voters... <laughs> Do not read PolitiFact, so, you know. Sure, but I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to bring it up just to remind anybody who lives in Brian Stiles' district that this guy is a clown who is no longer, like, anything remotely close to a moderate who who would defend Social Security and Medicare against cuts, please. Come on, folks. Uh, Robert, before we go, there are a couple topics I know um, you definitely wanted to talk about and and that are, are super important. One is around... Um, the Assembly Republicans activity around uh, Megan Wolf, right? And um, just it, it does reveal that as tight as they are in terms of following sort of the Trump and this conservative agenda, that there's an even like just nuttier, wackier faction out there, Robert. Tell us more about that, like just can't get over the Megan Wolf, who, by the way, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows is probably one of our better civil servants in this state right now and what and not only how she goes about her business what a freaking landmine job like she's got the worst job i'm just gonna say it megan wolf thank you for being here but you got the worst job in the state of wisconsin robert well you see a division occasionally between supposedly more sensible right-wing radical republicans they're certainly not moderates and the QAnon flying monkey wing. The problem is the flying monkey ring is in the saddle. So 
Marjorie Taylor Greene at the national level is now much less marginal and more central, right? No, they all go for their policies now. They just want to say that they're wacky, even though they support everything that right. wacks do. And so I just want to say, I don't think this Republican caucus is that firm on standing up to their QAnon fringe. And I think one sentence, I want to ask your opinion of this, Matt, I think one sentence from Donald Trump that he wanted Megan Wolf impeached would cause them to impeach because they would run in terror from all of the MAGA folks that will, uh, that will you know, take action on the command of Donald Trump. Here. Look, if we, if any of us think that we can trust that look the republican party we started the show by saying it doesn't really exist anymore it is a party of trump it's um was it the rnc chair just called for called for uh um haley to step down it's like this was after she said she would be neutral like please you've had two states vote and yes, I get it. I believe Trump is one. But like, if you think that there's any any sort of party left, it's not. It's Trump's party. And as Robert said, it'll be run full of uh, dictatorial statements and a whole lot of revenge. He's very clear about that. And let's remember, folks, all of us, you listeners, if you like this show, we're on the menu, Robert. Problem is, is that uh, you know, the bull is going to be disappointed here, and that the horsefly that is hectoring the bull will stay away around these other month because coming out of New Hampshire, despite the media spin, she raised records amounts of money, so she has enough money to get her. She's got enough money to get her to Super Tuesday. She doesn't really have a path to victory unless something unexpected happens, as far as Trump. Uh, big change in the situation, but she, he's go, she's going to continue to harass him the way the the, the way the horsefly harasses a, a bull. Robert, the only thing that I think is interesting left in this race is if that happens, and that means she has to make a a very very different change in the kind of campaign she's running. She started to do that. She's, she's starting to do it. She has to decide. She has to well first decide. She has to come to the conclusion that there's going to be no good ending for her. He'll say all kinds of nice things. You will get the most amazing press conference the minute you step down. But the minute that press conference is over where he says wonderful things about you and says horrible things about you at the same time, you're done. It's actually he's already worse. been clear. He's taking revenge. And, he and so said it. He's you should just listening. decide whether you want to be the you want to be He's, Liz Cheney, right? And actually somebody who could be the beginning of something else. But Trump like, announced he's blacklisting anyone who gives money to Haley and they will never let back into MAGA. So he is he is really uh now, you know, the man changes day to day, but I'm saying that he is trying to make the the ultimate threat. But let let's talk a little more about Wisconsin, Matt. Real quick, before you do, yeah. I just want to say on that. I would not be surprised if she drops out before South Carolina, where she did, and that will determine that she wants nothing to take him on. If she goes through North South Carolina, I do believe you may be right that she may change her dis and decide like there is no safe passage for me. I need to like just double down and hope that. And if she takes that strategy, extends her life another four months to hope there's some kind of implosion. 
I don't think it's happening, but and to start to establish an alternative, an alternative to Trump, an alternative party. I don't think she has that in her at all. So well, 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 Robert, before, you got a minute on Wisconsin. Well, I'll just say that because the legislative session is we won't have to kick around that much longer, Matt. So we should be calling out the low lights. There's the ban on abortion before first 15 weeks with that with no exceptions for rape and incest. There's the refusing to do what other red states have done and, and increasing postpartum care massively, which is mostly paid by the federal government through the Medicaid program. Just straight out, you know, when you have banning abortion and you're also got to take care of the kids when they're born. Right. And their and their mothers. Uh, but then there's this heinous bill because the culture war continues that gives uh, and it passed. It passed the assembly. It gives parents control of what pronouns their child uses in school. So you get bigotry informing this, and a kid who's uh, who who is trans, transgendered, a transgendered kid or young adult um, who does does not want to use the, their biological pronoun because that's not who they are and how they feel will be forced because the parent will dictate. Uh, the, their pronoun. I mean, this is very close to uh, the handmaiden tale kind of stuff, Matt. Absolutely. Folks, that's the kind of stuff we're going to continue to track on here. Before we go, I want to make one final little piece to show the hypocrisy of Republicans and folks like Representative Jesse James, who is going to sound all great about what he wants to do to solve the hospital situation up there. Let's remember, last week we had Kate Felton on. They they passed a bill. They or they they have a bill that essentially says the city and everyone should get involved and be all part of a process to try to figure out how to deal with seventy five refugees. Yet, one of the most fundamental things that is our connected to our freedom is the right to have health care and access to health care and. Not a peep. Where's Jesse James? Where's their bill to t do some of the things we just talked about? Set up a local system that would actually make sure that people's health care is protected, that this kind of stuff doesn't happen, that they would have had to have been given notice about this. The idea that no, the mayor of, of these towns, no one knew, right? They, they thought all that shit should happen for refugees to pound those refugees politically for their own political purposes to bigots but on something that actually matters he's gonna jesse james and their types are gonna get up and blow gas about how uh you know how they care about it but yet they won't expand medicaid right they won't talk about something like what robert talked about why don't they just apply that bill and start changing the way we do healthcare locally and start reining in the excesses of this current for-profit healthcare system. It's actually really endangering your community, not the refugees. One closing thing, and maybe we'll talk about this more another time, uh, was Cosmic Radio had a great story Thursday morning about how a thousand of the 15,000 residents of Whitewater are now refugee migrants from Nicaragua and what a positive influence they are in the community. So in other words, these are hardworking people looking for opportunity who benefit us and that, that, that is the kind of story we need to tell to overcome the Trumpian and uh, dehumanization in his whole party 
of people, of, of asylum seekers and immigrants generally. It's repulsive and it's not reality. Folks, we'll be here to continue to try and keep a light on all of this, folks. Uh, share, share the show with, with uh, folks who you think ought to be listening to this. And please, again, join Citizen Action. Click the link on our website here that we have that's connected to this podcast. Enjoy. And we will see you all next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.